it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks for being here, everybody, and being here all week long. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Geraldo Rivera is being queued up. Admiral James Stavridis at the bottom of the hour. We got China to talk about. We have what is expected to be a massive surge counteroffensive in Ukraine. And so much more, including expanding NATO. You saw China, by the way, got within 400 feet of one of our fighter jets in international waters. What are they doing? Why are they doing this? Refusing to speak to our Secretary of Defense? When asked, we're begging them to talk, yet they're the ones with the spy balloon, two freight carts full of intelligence equipment over all of our military bases, and we want to talk to them? What is, uh, can you say weakness? That's what it looks like to me. And, uh, of course, you can always get this show. If you can't listen to it live, BrianKillMeShow.com, you can get the podcast, wherever you get podcasts. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Without having those additional documents to see what, if anything, the FBI did. Did they bury it? Did they ignore it? We just don't know it. And so it's going to be too open-ended without the complete investigative file. Which whistleblower? They're all whistleblowers. They're all documents. What's going on? FBI begins to buckle. And the FBI whistleblowers suffer retribution, recriminations. And now in one case, forced into hiding. All over intel on the Biden family antics and finances. This should not be okay with any American. Number two. You know, I think you really need to ensure that we have a two-term president to be able to see this to a conclusion. You don't need eight years. You need six months. We can turn this thing around so quickly. Well, you already had four years. Why didn't you slay it then? Wow. Back and forth. The verbal fisticuffs are flying between DeSantis and Trump and our... We are only one week in with both declared candidates. Will the polls show the governor making any gains or anybody else? Number one. Presidents do fall. They do. They trip and fall. President Obama did a few times. But no president has ever been 81 years old and run for re-election while they did so. It, it, his age is an issue here. Polls show that Americans do have concerns about the president's age. Guess what? They should. We all should be worried. Down goes Biden for a fourth time on stage for the whole world to see as the non-existent re-election campaign is without momentum, money, or even a schedule. Is it time for the Dems to tell Joe to just go? Geraldo Rivera joins us now. Geraldo, I'm sure you saw what happened at the Air Force Academy. The president turns around and falls flat on his face, didn't even put his hands out, and he almost fell in Japan two weeks ago. Are you, if you're a Democrat, if you're an American, what are you thinking? My trainer says the one thing I cannot do, Brian, is fall. That's how people our age, not me and you, me and uh, the president or me and uh, President Trump, uh, almost 80 years old. If you fall, you're brittle. Uh, you know, we know what happened to our, uh, our dear departed uh, former chief Roger Ailes. He fell and it cost him his life. I mean, it's very it's very dangerous uh, you know, each fall is, is serious, even if you can get up and click your heels when it's over. I, I feel 
very badly for the president for what happened. I I understand that he tripped on a, you know a sandbag holding the teleprompter, whatever it is. I think his aides have to make sure that he's got a clear path to walk. Someone's got to grab him the second he finishes speaking and guide him. Uh, I know I could use that. Uh, you know, I've, I I I feel really badly about it. I, I feel the, you know the word that comes to mind is brittle. There's two things and, and vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. So especially if you have somebody older in your life, not you, but when they fall or they have an injury or they have an illness and they're not the same person, and it's terrible. And nobody. And that is why I thought Donald Trump uh, was pr- was pretty kind in saying this. Cut one. It's sad. It's sad. It's not. You know. It's. Uh... They're representing, we are all representing the country. You've become president, and uh, you're sort of not allowed to do that, but it's happened. It's happened, and it's happened pretty badly. Uh, we won't go into it, but we all know the ones, and they, uh, they count those acts. You know, they never forget, but that was a bad fall. So DeSantis, too, showed class. Cut three. There are plenty of people in your party who say maybe he's not physically and even maybe mentally up for another four years in office. What do you say? Well, look, I mean, people can judge that. I mean, I hope that he didn't sustain injuries. And if he did, I hope he has a speedy recovery from those. But I'm running for president because I want the U.S. to have a speedy recovery from the injuries that Joe Biden has inflicted on the country. Yep. And, and so that's the main thing. I watched Senator Grassley said this yesterday. Senator Grassley's older. He went to all 60 counties in Iowa. And nobody would be they'd be saying something about his age if he was running because they're worried about his future. But they're not worried about the now. Geraldo, am I wrong to worry about the now? Well, I, I think, Brian, you got to examine your own motivations. I mean, as long as, you know, I hear a lot of protestation and concern from DeSantis, the governor, and uh, former President Trump and others about uh, President Biden's fall, but I just want it to be sincere and not weaponize it. Uh, let's see if he's hurt. Uh, let's give him a chance to uh, prove that. Boy, he's fallen uh, you know, four times, Geraldo. I know it's it's rough. He almost I'm, went I'm down worried. five. I, I, I think that the election, the the hidden agenda item in the election will be Kamala Harris because uh, never has the odds been so high that the vice president will ascend to the president. But, but just I, on you, what you said on motivation. Here's what I'm talking about. If he was vigorous like Trump, going around the country as a, as he's about to and has done before. And if he had a big schedule, this is my re-election campaign, this is what I'm going to be doing. But he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't do press conferences. He wasn't involved in the debt ceiling talks, maybe a phone call on a Zoom. He'll tell you that. And now he has no re-election events figured, no fundraisers on the agenda. So if you combine all that, he seems to be the zombie president. Well, you can put it that way, or you could look at it from a harshly pragmatic point of view, uh, that the basement strategy worked last time. Why not this time? No pandemic to hide. No excuse. Primary, avoid the primary process completely. Let the Democrats do uh, whatever they're going to do and then anoint him as the uh, as the candidate, as they certainly will. Uh, and then uh, come out and, you know, be reinvigorated and go head to head with President Trump. I think that will be uh, the fate of the country. We will see a rerun of the two old fellows, one more vigorous than the other, uh, going at each other. Trump, I thought, with uh, Sean Hannity, uh, was uh, was very good. He was glib. He was uh, uh, he was modest, moderate. I, I, I liked what I heard from uh, President Trump. I, I'm, I'm not going to support him because of January 6th, but I, I must say that as a candidate, he is seeming much more uh, appealing to me now than he has 
uh, in some of his uh, exile, Brian. So how unbel- how concerned are you, Geraldo, that you have these three FBI agents, whistleblowers, who had their lives ruined? They can't get their firearms licenses to even be a sheriff in Florida. Uh, they can't get their background checks released to go get another job. They get fired after they become whistleblowers. They thought they had protections. Another guy was in Cyprus because they he says there's trumped-up charges to have him arrested. They have one thing in common. They have information they want to come forward with about the Biden family. How concerned are you that whistleblowers aren't protected? Alexander Vindman was looked at as a hero for coming out against Trump. These other guys are being hunted. Here's Stuart Kaplan, former FBI special agent, cut 23. Well, you got to put it in context, Trace. That document, that 1023, is the information that is contained within that document is uncorroborated, meaning it is not part of the investigative file. Now, what has been missed and what has not been reported until right now is that if I know who that source is, if I know who she or he is, and I have opened that source to prove his or her reliability, then I would tend to take what is in that document on its face as being reliable. That's what's missing. So the content of that document without understanding who the source is and the measure of that source's reliability leaves it too open-ended. And that's one of the whistleblowers who filled out a 1023. They didn't seem to follow up on it. And now Christopher Ray is now handing it over to Comer. They're going to bring it over, let him see it in his office, along with Grassley, to see the contents of it. And rather, the fact that they don't follow up when someone has allegations that the president, former vice president, might have gotten $5 million in bribes and there's no follow-up to it, that isn't bizarre to you? I, I think that, Brian, I, and I, I don't mean to make you impatient with me or your listeners, but I think it's all bull. I think it's all the same crap we've been hearing about the Biden crime family, uh, the same thing about Hunter Biden, uh, uh, you know, influence peddling and all the rest of it. You know, you know he out? did it. We, we are you convinced the, he yeah, didn't do it? Thousands of porno pictures of a, of a dope-addled uh, jerk-off. Uh, you know, uh, we, it, there's been put up or shut up. That's what, that's what I think about the whole – I feel the same thing about the Trump documents scandal. Put up or shut up. I'm, these are – distractions. Uh, I I want them to go away. Uh, How many of these whistleblowers are going to parade out there uncorroborated? I wish we had the other die. There's always something else that we need to corroborate or something to accuse. There's not been one specific allegation, provable allegation against anybody in the Biden family, as far as I know, including uh, the the douchebag uh, hunter. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, it, it makes for vivid uh, talk shows, uh, but I, I think it's, it comes out to an absolute less than zero. And I, particularly, I, and I'm annoyed with Hunter. And now I feel like uh, uh, we're voyeurs looking at the, you know, the, at the, somebody, you know, a scumbag life at the bottom of the barrel, uh, you know, and there he is, and he's captured in time and his own narcissistic sickness. Uh, you know, it's just pathetic. Makes me want to puke, and but, uh, it goes to his character. But uh, in terms of a provable crime, I, there's nothing. I nothing that I have seen, including uh, uh, the uh, the three most recent uh, so-called whistleblowers. If there's a whistleblower that comes forward 
and says he is proof that a crime was committed, I, I think that they did. so far has come up with but they did. zero. But they did. Comer what do you want? What else do you want him to do besides go to the FBI and be a whistleblower? So it's, he did it, and then he said nothing's it's, happening. It's, it's so then he goes that to Comer. A million dollar crime was committed. Come on, Brian. What do you mean? It's not true. What do you There's mean? It's no, not true. I don't think so. I don't think. I mean, I, okay. So now, now you we're think not. The FBI is going to ignore proof of a five yes. million dollar investment. This, this, the same, the same people that did the investigation and are not pursuing four, five year investigation into Hunter Biden's uh, uh, taxes. Well, a five year investigation. Delaware U.S. Attorney, right? Was appointed by Trump, but was appointed, he's he's, but he's controlled by the Attorney General. I, you know, think you think that if there was a, a U.S. Attorney. So you think do you think he paid his taxes? Crime do, you, do you do you think he paid his taxes? Oh, Hunter? Yeah, a five-year investigation. No have they investigated anybody that you know totally, for five years? This is a totally dysfunctional, uh, you know, lower than life, uh, you know, uh, mud waddler. Uh, you know, I I don't I don't think about him as as anything other than pathetic. See, I always uh, thought you, with your investigative genes, you've investigated more yeah, big stories. I, 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 you, you, see, you, you see all, you, just, just fundamentally, you see all these guys, Jim and Hunter, and the Devin, uh, uh, Devin Archer, and Rob Walker, and you see them going to these countries, walking out with millions, and having no product, and you're not saying to yourself, I am really curious about who, what the hell they're selling, yeah, why they're doing it. It reminds me of when the the Congress held Eric Holder, the Attorney General, in contempt of Congress for some cockamamie thing that's like this stuff going on right now, and all it did was make the uh, the the accusers look like assholes, uh, and and they never got him. You never heard of Fast and Furious again. It went away. There was never. It was a political. Uh, you know, it was like Benghazi, Benghazi, Benghazi. Yeah, if or I thought if Russia, I thought it was like Fast Russia, and Furious. Russia. Uh, listen, if, so are you open to the fact that you're going to bring this out there? Are you open to what you see? Do you open to this FBI agent, whoever he or she is, explaining to you what happened, and then they get somebody to comply, to, to corroborate the story, like Tony Bobulinski went and told you everything in detail, and everyone chose to ignore it, and that doesn't mean it's not real. Well, I mean, like, like I said, put up or shut up. I come from an old school. Oh, by the way, you coming to my birthday, July 4th? I'll give you the details. Have I been invited? Uh, well, the, the invitation to come. I need your email. But you can give it to me off the air. Okay. But I'd, do, I'd be delighted. It'd be on Long Island, and I know that uh, you're a hometown boy. So. Well, yeah, if, if I'm around, I'll definitely go, and I would like to cover it live. I would like <laughs> to stream it uh, <laughs> against your will and try to find a story. I never say no to that. Right, because if there's a lot of Fox people at a party, why why wouldn't that be newsworthy? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Raldo. Who canceled that you invited me? How many people? A hundred, I think. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, Geraldo Rivera. Right, I mean, the... I have, uh, my father was one of 17 children. I have a hundred first cousins. Okay. <laughs> That's true. All right, Geraldo Rivera, thanks so much. All right, Brian. All right. Uh, meanwhile, when we come back, your calls, one 866 Maybe you feel the same way. Uh, enough. Enough of the investigation. Let's get the election on. Uh, Admiral James Stavridis coming up in 15 minutes. Got a lot to discuss. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmicho. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. It is what it is. You know, I I really go after the one who's second. And I think the one who's second is going down so much and so rapidly that I don't think he's going to be second that much longer. I think he's going to be third or fourth. He had a very bad day today. He got very angry at the press. You're not allowed to get angry at the press. Oh, yeah, he's pointing out a few mistakes. Uh, Is Donald Trump that uh, he believes Ron DeSantis is making? And and he worries vulnerable. And the thing is, there's no doubt about it. He looks at uh, DeSantis as a threat, but he also looks at him as disloyal. Uh, had a chance to mention that. Uh, Trump goes after him, uh, says you don't need eight years, Ron DeSantis, to get things done. You need six months. You have to stop showing anger at the press and won't be second too much longer. DeSantis came back to Trump and he said you don't need to train the swamp. You don't need a list list handed to you of uh, judges. That's what uh, Trump got. He got a list of judges from experts and he put basically all of them to work. And also, you should have fired Fauci, he came out and said. And also, you got to start winning. We're in a culture of losing and also saying that Donald Trump is moving to the left. Are any of those going to land as legitimate criticisms? I'm not really sure if they are. Here's Jonathan Lemire on uh, on something else. Actually, I'm going to hold that soundbite for a second. I want you to hear from Ron DeSantis hitting back at uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump, after he went after him, for uh, not draining the swamp, cut eight. You know, if the former president says he can slay the deep state in six months, my question to him would be, well, you already had four years. Why didn't you slay it then? So is this going to work for DeSantis? I don't think he has a choice. I think it has to work. And if it doesn't, and they say, well, you don't let, he doesn't like when you're mean to Donald Trump. Well, you have no choice. If you just sit there and say, I like the president. I'm sorry he's mad at me. I'm sorry he has a bunch of nicknames for me. It's not going to work. Now, if you're Donald Trump, I would do I would pick my spots. I would not make it personal and I would make sure you're accurate. I mean, going after a Republican governor for not doing a great job during the pandemic when he did a fantastic job during the pandemic and running his state and taking on Disney, who has become a left wing organization. You saw that transgendered queen who's greeting little children at the castle over in California. I mean, this stuff, have you seen what's going on with their movies? Going after Governor DeSantis, Mr. President, for taking on Disney, I think that's a dry well. Just like getting on President Trump for not training the swamp is a dry well, because he did more than anyone thought. He's just not done yet. And clearly the swamp never stopped going after him. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We need to be tough with China. No one questions that. We've got to draw lines on the Chinese. And we have to operate from a position of strength. One thing I've uh, learned throughout history is that uh, tyrants uh, act when they sense weakness. Uh, I think that's why Putin went into uh, Ukraine, because he sensed weakness on the part of the United States, went into Crimea 
didn't pay a price, went into Libya, didn't pay a price, went into Syria, didn't pay a price, uh, engaged in a bold cyber attack on this country and didn't pay a price. And that's why we're in the mess we're in, according to Leon Panetta, director of the CIA, former chief of staff for Bill Clinton, uh, and uh, for former secretary of defense. Joining us now, Admiral James Stavridis to weigh in, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, best-selling author, member of the Carlisle Group. His latest book is Risk It All, How, All Nine Conflicts and the Crucible of Decision. Admiral, what do you think about Liam Panetta's assessment of how we got where we're at? Oh, he's spot on. And I worked for uh, Secretary Panetta for his entire time as Secretary of Defense when I was Supreme Allied Commander in NATO. And he's a very bipartisan figure. In fact, he's a lot like Robert Gates, who is a Republican. Leon nominally is a Democrat. But they're two towering figures who get it on national security. And either one of them could have said those words. I've heard both of them say it personally. And, uh, yeah, um, weakness, another way to put it, Brian, is nature abhors a vacuum. And if there's a sense that the United States won't push back, then tyrants, as Leon Panetta calls them, will take advantage. And we see it again and again. And we see it first off. Uh, let's talk about Ukraine and, and the invasion that took place. Because the Russians didn't get the brushback pitch, they went in. Uh, and we don't know if that would have happened under Trump. He does not think so. I think more than likely uh, it would have been it would have been uh, shocking if he did it. And it would have um, uh, I would be really surprised if he had done it. Maybe after Af- Afghanistan, he felt emboldened, in my view. Yeah. So he goes in there and he's and he's it's if it ends right now and they still get 70 percent of the country, it's been a disaster for Russia. And the fact that they're splitting off into mercenary groups right before yeah. in the eve of a counteroffensive. If you're Ukraine, what should your approach be to this offensive? You know, a good historical analogy here, Brian, going way back, you know, 80 years ago almost is D-Day. The invasion of Europe in that war, the Nazis had occupied France. And so the Allies, and in fact, the first Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, I was the 16th, the first, Dwight Dwight Eisenhower, was preparing an offensive, a summer offensive. And that offensive occurred on the 6th of June, which will occur here in just a few days, the anniversary of it. And here's the point. The, The Germans, just like the Russians, were stretched for hundreds of miles along that border, that sea border in this case. And it was Eisenhower's great advantage that he got to pick where that attack would fall. And the Russians at this moment have no idea. It could go from the high north up there uh, near Kharkiv or all the way down south toward Crimea. So Russia has to defend everywhere. Ukraine will attack and drive in one place when this unfolds, I'd say in a week or so. I I look for significant gains by the Ukrainians. There's been six aerial attacks in six days, and I think the Ukrainians have uh, been very successful on Kyiv, by the way, Uh, been pretty successful in knocking down a lot of it. Are they using Patriots to knock down drones? Uh, They are using Patriots to knock down cruise missiles, uh, not drones. Um, the, The drones... They can handle with lighter, faster systems. And in fact, a good way to kill a drone is with another drone. Um, And you can even get them with uh, stingers, for example, depending on the size of the drone. Uh, But the Ukrainians have been reasonably successful. But, Brian, your point is spot on, which is, yeah, there's a lot of 
enthusiasm and hope for a good land war effort by the Ukrainians. But there's another war going on. This is a tale of two wars. And the other war is the air war. Putin is winning that one overall. Despite these anti-air war successes, uh, the Russians continue to knock down buildings, take out maternity wards, commit war crimes um, like he did in Syria. I think he'll continue with that strategy. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's so cowardice to aim for civilian yep. targets, to aim for hospitals and schools because you can't take on their army. Exactly. And by the way, the Russians are also deliberately aiming for critical infrastructure, meaning yeah. electricity and water. And all that supports the civilian population. These are significant war crimes being committed deliberately by a rotten regime in Moscow. So uh, as we see what's happening in Ukraine and we see the Russians and how it's been a disaster economically and militarily and they expose them as uh, as lacking in their military prowess, the word is, according to reports, that China is not making them hesitant to does not changing China's, I guess, ambition to go into Taiwan. They're saying, OK, we're just going to be more ready and we'll be uh, more prepared, but they're not dissuaded. Is that what you're hearing? Um, it is. And um, having said all that and agreeing with that, there is a lot of uncertainty in Beijing about uh, three things. One is how hard would the Taiwanese fight? Nobody knows. Um, I have been there uh, on occasions and I've met with Madam Tsai, the president. I think they will fight and I think they will fight hard and I think they will fight well. But China has not been in a war a real war since the Korean War 70 years ago. So there's a lot of uncertainty. And number two, uh, from a perspective of President Xi, he's uncertain what kind of sanctions would be applied. He thinks his economy is too big to sanction. Maybe it is. But we can certainly launch a lot of precision-guided strikes at his economy. And then third and finally, Brian, he's got to have uncertainty about his military watching how badly the Russians are doing because they share tactics and uh, strategic concepts. Now, the China's military is better for a Taiwan kind of exchange uh, than Russia's has been in Moscow. But when I put it all together, yes, China continues to have significant territorial ambitions uh, above all on Taiwan, which they regard as a rogue province. But there is uncertainty that gives us time to encourage the Taiwanese to purchase. And they're very rich. This is not like Ukraine, where we have to provide everything. Taiwan can afford the material. We can give them the training that will deter China. That, I think, ought to be our strategy. Right. But for some reason, they're waiting years for equipment they've already paid for uh, because yeah. we don't seem to be able to produce it. And that's got to be revamped by someone like you to go in there as a nonpartisan and give being powered to restructure the purchase power of the Pentagon. And maybe as the 60 Minutes was outlining, maybe broadly, that these these weapons companies, the Raytheons of the world, have consolidated to the point where there's no competition. They're able to charge a lot and they're not able to, to produce a lot. I agree with that entirely. And this idea of broad-based defense reform might be the most important thing that the Pentagon could be working on right now. 
We have to maintain this arsenal of democracy, as it's called, to be able to respond in these dangerous situations. So Robert Lighthizer was leading the trade effort for President Trump, as he did all the trade deals that he was trying to pull off with South Korea, uh, redoing NAFTA, USMCA. And he had phase one done the next week. We got hit with the pandemic. It all fell uh, by the wayside. But Robert Lighthizer is one of these people that Chuck Schumer praises. So here's Mm -hmm. what he says. He feels like he knows China. And he said this about what we should be doing, cut 35. In my opinion, we should do strategic decoupling. Right now, we're shifting five, six, seven hundred billion dollars a year of American wealth to the Communist Party of China every single year. This great miracle that they've had, this economic miracle, rising these Chinese out of poverty, all of that was done, almost all of it was done with American dollars. Literally, we have built the greatest, the biggest army in the world, and it's in China. We've built the biggest navy in the world, and it's in China. We are building the best technology in the world, and it's in China. It's all being done with American dollars, and it's, it, it is insanity. You hear his frustration? Do you echo it? Um, I do up to a point. And, and I think I don't know the context of, or the setting or the year in which he made those comments. Um, certainly a, a great deal of it is accurate. Some of it is a bit overstated. But here's what I worry about. I worry about where a sudden decoupling, which would mean we would just pull everything out of China, would break all our contracts, we would stop uh, trading with them in any way. Um, that could be a scenario which would absolutely crater the global economy. It wouldn't just hurt China. So I think what we need to do is uh, carefully, intelligently decouple. It's like the difference, Brian, between carpet bombing and precision-guided strikes. We need precision-guided strikes on things like microchips, on facial recognition, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, all of that. That's where we need to place the emphasis. Does it worry me if China is making uh, children's toys or producing uh, hair dryers? No, not at all. Um, There's comparative advantage to both systems in that regard. But I think where I'll agree with Mr. Lighthouser is we need to be more cautious but I'd use a precision-guided strike methodology to go after these linkages. But, but would you also say that Elon Musk and Jamie Dimon going over there, would, is that disturbing and mystifying to you, knowing that we're trying to decouple, we're trying to get a sense of bringing things home, and they're going over there uh, if to say, hey, the, uh, your market's great and America's fine. Is that is that a message you're comfortable with? Um, I, I don't think that's the message they delivered. I certainly wasn't in the room. But again, it's like the difference between advocating for a complete decoupling and a return to the kind of Cold War structure that we had with the U.S. and the Soviet Union in Cold War days. There was effectively no trade. We had battle fleets nose to nose all around the world. We had armies, three million troops on the Fulda Gap in Europe. I don't think we want to go back there. I think what Jamie Dimon and Elon Musk are doing is – A, there's a profit motive, of course, but B, what they're trying to advocate for from what I can see of their public commentary is an intelligent, strategic approach to China that does not simply break off and decouple because that would crater the global economy and have huge repercussions here as well. All right, Admiral, thanks so much. I appreciate it. 
You bet, Brian. Talk soon. Bye-bye. You got it. one 866 When we come back, we're going to open up the phones and find out what's on your mind. Also, people are talking about the rise of AI, and now we find out the story's not true, that they're doing a simulated attack. And while they're doing the simulated attack, they were trying to control these drones, and the drones realized they had a mission, and the only person stopping the mission was the person who put them on the mission, and they went after and killed the operator. So in theory, that would be us. Oops. Quickly, the Pentagon says that's not true. My sense is the colonel was not misspeaking. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Well, they're being protected, and it's a uh, one-sided system. It's a very unfair system, but they're being protected. Look at the time that Biden said about the billion dollars to get rid of the prosecutor. Now, if can you imagine if I said that? A billion dollars to get rid of the prosecutor. You talk about tape. That's on tape. That's so illegal, what he said. It's America's money. We're not going to give you a billion dollars unless you get rid of the prosecutor that was prosecuting his son and his son's company, even though his son didn't know anything about energy or anything else. And he's on the board of an energy company getting paid a fortune, by the way. No, the whole thing is crazy. And the president of the United States was asked about what was going on with the 1023 form that the FBI refused to give up that today, James Comer evidently and Grassley Will uh, the FBI is going to come over to their offices and show them these 1023 forms, which is another reportedly whistleblower in the FBI that says he personally witnessed. You got a stenographer also said the same thing uh, in Ukraine, personally witnessed uh, these illegal deals going on and even flew back on Air Force Two with then Vice President Joe Biden. But now you have an FBI agent bonded with a a rich background check and I'm sure uh, a great track record because it wouldn't still be FBI agents who came in and said this is what took place. The 1023 is unverified and that's what the FBI was using as an excuse not to give it. But if I am somebody who's in the FBI and I'm a whistleblower and I come up with this this extremely important information and allegation and you don't follow up on it, you're going to go speak to somebody about it, wouldn't you think? So they are now finally going to get it and it's probably going to come forward with the allegation and they're going to see if this person is verifiable and authentic and see if they can get some corroboration. But it's also been said that if somebody has great authenticity, if they have a good tariff record and you are an FBI agent and you have and you have an allegation, it's taken as something that is substantial and needs to be chased down. Question is, why isn't it chased down? Why do you have the laptop for years and not investigate it? Why do you go out of your way to make sure it's, it's inauthentic and make sure people believe erroneously that it doesn't work, that it's not Hunter Biden's, that it's Russian disinformation? Why are you going out of the way to hurt four FBI whistleblowers and an IRS investigator when they come forward and say, I see a double standard and I see the Justice Department sitting on a Hunter Biden and Biden family investigation? Why are all these things happening? And that's why Donald Trump says, man, there's a two-tiered system. Don't you think? Aren't you pretty sure? I actually don't think them bringing the document to Capitol Hill is enough to avoid contempt charges. Just get... Give it to the chairman of the oversight committee. It's not even classified. Don't show up and tell him you want to leave with it. If you want him to cross out names, cross out names, but maybe cross out names, but maybe if the names are relevant to the investigation, you need to know those names. So Comer says, 
Uh, he was the spokesperson for the Overcome. Ranking member Raskin. Uh, okay, this is the ranking member came out. But James Comer uh, will visit the FBI on Monday to view the 1023. After much back and forth, the FBI late last night offered a meeting today at uh, Chairman Comer's uh, was unavailable. Chairman Comer will receive a briefing from the FBI and review the document on Monday. Chairman Comer has been clear that anything short of producing the FD-1023 form in the House Oversight Committee is not compliance with the subpoena. The unclassified record contains pages of details that need to be investigated further by the House Oversight Committee. So if you're not going to investigate it and you don't want me to investigate it, it would, let's say, die on the vine. That's pretty much a double standard when it comes to what's happening with Joe Biden. Don't you think? So these men and women come forward, their lives get ruined, and only they have one thing in common. They have some corruption allegations against the current administration, much like the double standard that existed. You have a fringe player in George Papadopoulos. You have somebody like Carter Page, who President Trump barely even knows, and you think that they might be doing something nefarious with the Russians, and you basically put everything else on hold and you investigate Donald Trump. Here you got multiple respected, you would assume, FBI agents coming forward. And you basically said your life's ruined. Forget about whistleblower protections. In some cases, you're fired with the IRS allegation, which is amazing to me. They disbanded the unit that was investigating Hunter Biden because one person came forward and said this isn't a real investigation. There's no one pursuing anything. And they got a double standard so bad, I have to tell somebody. And the FBI said the IRS's answer is, yeah, let's disband it. So there are no more questions. Go to BrianKilme.com, order any of my books, and don't forget to watch One Nation Saturday, 8 o'clock. Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't miss a minute of the show, as you haven't all week long. This hour, I'm joined by one man, and he's a mountain of a man, Tyrus, Fox Nation host, co-host of Tyrus and Tim podcast, and author of the book, uh, Just Tyrus, a memoir, which is awesome. And this week, he's going to be hosting the 10 o'clock show on Saturday night, and he's going to come in with shorts. Now, as far as you know, Eric and Pete, does anyone else wear shorts here? Pete, do you know? He might be the only one. Right? I mean, and he's hosting a show and doing cross-promotion. That's bold and confident. You know how I do not feel confident dressing casual? And this man dresses in beachwear at 48th and 6th and 1211 6th Avenue. I think he'll be the first to wear shorts on the air here. You think he will? I think. I can't think of anyone recent memory, yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot, but are his quads better than mine? From what you could tell? Uh, no comment. thought so. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Without having those additional documents to see what, if anything, the FBI did. Did they bury it? Did they ignore it? We just don't know it. And so it's going to be too open-ended without the complete investigative file. How about this? FBI begins to buckle and the FBI whistleblowers suffer retribution, recriminations, and now in one case, forced into hiding all over intel on the Biden family antics. This should not be okay with any American. 
Number two. You know, I think you really need to ensure that we have a two-term president to be able to see this to a conclusion. You don't need eight years. You need six months. We can turn this thing around so quickly. Well, you already had four years. Why didn't you slay it then? Here we go. Verbal fisticuffs flying between DeSantis and Trump in week one. And one of the in, in week one of a long season, I should add. Will the polls show the governor making gains? They have to. Number one. Presidents do fall. They do. They trip and fall. President Obama did a few times. But no president has ever been 81 years old and run for re-election while they did so. It, it, his age is an issue here. Polls show that Americans do have concerns about the president's age. Let me tell you something. I don't think President Obama ever fell. The one thing about this guy, that guy's the coolest guy ever. I don't never hear of anything. He doesn't look good on a bicycle. That's about it. Uh, we all should be worried. Down goes President Biden for the fourth time. On the stage, which is a world stage, wherever the president is, uh, to see this non-existent re-election campaign, to see him with no momentum as he tries to get four more years, see him with almost no money that I could tell or anything on the schedule. Is it time for the Dems to tell Joe to step up, get up and walk away? I think so. I mean, I don't know if you saw what happened. If you see it, it's terrible. It reminds me of every senior, whether you like him or not, nobody wants to see this. He has declined so rapidly before our eyes. The shuffle that he has makes it dangerous to walk. I know a lot of people when they get up in age, they, especially if they're in um, an assisted living home or things of that nature, they'll say, listen, it's too dangerous. If you fall, it could be over and you could break a collarbone. You're not going to recover from or a hip. So for the most part, you give them walkers. I know it looks terrible. Or you put them in a chair. I mean, the way Joe Biden is walking he should not be walking. Evidently, he's broken foot, the, the arthritis in his back. He falls flat on his face again. Remember, he almost failed at the G7, fell at the G7. And what bothers me most, forget about reparties, is people look at that and they think it represents us. Not the superpower we are, the feeble person or the shell of a person that Joe Biden used to be. So you got to wonder if the Democrats are going to look, start looking for an alternative. Here's Jonathan Lemire. Here's more on that soundbite you're cut for. Presidents do fall. They do. They trip and fall. President Obama did a few times. But no president has ever been 81 years old and run for re-election while they did so. It, it, his age is an issue here. The Republicans immediately jumped on this. They blasted all over social media. The White House was very quick to be defensive. They pride themselves, this White House, on being above the fray. We don't engage on Twitter. Yesterday, they were all over Twitter because they knew, they know, polls show that Americans do have concerns about the president's age. They, this is going to be a storyline they have to deal with. But they feel like they have. They feel like voters in 2020 know how old Joe Biden is. They know how old he is now. They like the job he's doing. He seems like he's fine. Really? They like the job he's doing? 33% on immigration, 33% on the economy. 37% of the people are convinced that he's got the cognitive ability to do the job. He's got six, he's got RFK Jr., his only threat, at 20%, 20% of the primary vote. He's at 60% of the primary. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And they won't even debate, which, you know, I, I'm going back and forth on that. When you're a sitting president, you got two fringe candidates. I don't know if you debate, but to see RFK making gains like that, there's no way that he's the best offer the opportunity for the Democrats. They just don't know how to move him because he's got the power of the presidency and a terrible vice president. Ron DeSantis, to his credit, is not piling on. Cut three. There are plenty of people in your party who say maybe he's not physically and even maybe mentally up for another four years in office. What do you say? 
Well, look, I mean, people can judge that. I mean, I hope that he didn't sustain injuries, and if he did, I hope he has a speedy recovery from those. But I'm running for president because I want the U.S. to have a speedy recovery from the injuries that Joe Biden has inflicted on the country. And at the end of the day, I think his policies have been wrong. Um, I do think he lacks energy and all that, but he is pursuing a course that's not been good for this country, and that's my main concern. Interesting. Uh, That's his main concern, and I think you do it that way. You don't want to seem as though you're mocking the president because it's a deceit, but you just also want to report as you see it. And you see the fact I was just looking at his checkup, which is made public to a degree. And they talked about him having signs of skin cancer, but they're dealing with it no problem. And they're saying that the foot isn't fully healed, some complicated word for it, so your foot doesn't lift up, number one. And he's also got stiffening of the spine. He's got arthritis in his spine. So you don't know how that affects you on a daily basis. Plus, does anyone think when they watch him interviewed or hear him speak that he's been coherent and crisp? He doesn't sit do sit-downs, almost never. He doesn't do press conferences, almost never. So what is he actually doing? Because he doesn't seem to be doing the job, on vacation all the time, always in Delaware. Didn't have anything to do with the Delaware invest, uh, negotiate the Delaware, the the debt ceiling negotiations. Donald Trump was asked too about the always falling Joe Biden, who's struggling with stairs and doesn't seem to have much of a support. Here's um, uh, here he is talking about what he just saw yesterday. Cut one. It's sad. It's sad. It's not you know. It's. Uh... They're representing, we are all representing the country. You've become president, and uh, you're sort of not allowed to do that, but it's happened. It's happened, and it's happened pretty badly. Uh, we won't go into it, but we all know the ones, and they, uh, they count those acts. You know, they never forget, but that was a bad fall. And they're talking about Gerald Ford in particular, okay? And, you know, you fall. I don't remember the last time I actually fell, but it could happen. So I fall, you fall like Gerald Ford. And people thought he was clumsy and Chevy Chase made a living on imitating Gerald Ford falling. But the truth is, he was a boxing coach when going for his master's and was a four-year starter and captain of the University of Michigan football team. He's evidently a three-port star in high school. So no one who actually had a brain in their head thought that he was not a great athlete. So not holding against him, they would bring it up and have fun with it. But you can't kid around about Joe Biden because there's nothing to kid about. It's too serious. He's got too much power. Don't you think? But I love Donald Trump. I never remember a story like this, a self-deprecating Donald Trump story. Do you want to hear it? Cut to. You know, it was very interesting. I think I made my best speech. And that was my best speech. And I was so proud of it. It was pouring. It was pouring. And... I said, this speech was so good. And then I said, how do I get down? Sir, you have to go down the ramp. I said, the same one I came up, it was a long, like an ice skating rink. And they said, yes, sir. And I had the general next to me, the commandant of cadets, nice guy, big guy, strong guy. I said, general, uh, and he's wearing combat boots. They don't slip too much. I said, general, get ready, because I may have to grab you here. But I said, I'm not falling. There's no way. So I'd go tippy-toe down the thing. (laughs) That was a mistake, because it didn't look so good. I even agree it wasn't. That was the first def- self-deprecating story I ever remember Donald Trump telling. And, you know, remember the story, and they, and they read it nonstop, what's wrong with Donald Trump? And Chuck Todd, I think, led with his first two blocks on that. And what happens is I wear these, and we all do now, the white shoes that have grips on the bottom. And there's some rubber ones with grips on the bottom. But when you have dress shoes, and you imagine that Academy does, and if they're brand new, 
they are canvas on the bottom. Until they get scuffed up, they're like skates. So here you are in a wet environment going down a ramp at 74 years old. That's a tough situation. But in Ken, they jumped on him. And in Joe Biden, not a big story. I mean, they're not making a big story. So let's talk about something fascinating. For the first time consistently, Ron DeSantis is trying to answer Donald Trump. Tell me how you think it's going. Little things. Trump says, uh, goes after Ron when he says he's going to be third. Says uh, you don't need eight years. He said you need eight years. And Donald Trump would be a lame duck. He goes, you don't need eight years. I'll get this fixed. I'll get this country on track in six months. Uh, he showed anger at the press. He goes, you can't show anger at the press. And um, he won't be second much longer. DeSantis on Trump. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He didn't. He says uh, he doesn't need a list uh, handed to him on judges. He'll know him. He says he's not a real Republican. He's not a team player. And he's been moving to the left. I should have fired Fauci. Next up, they're going to go after him for his association with the Live Tour. Now, the Live Tour, if you're going to go after that, then don't watch Manchester City. Don't watch uh, Newcastle FC, which a lot of you guys are soccer fans listening. These are all Arab money, Saudi money that's involved. So they think by... Ron DeSantis being with the 9-11 families who are very upset at President Trump for being tight with the live tour run by the Saudi Wealth Fund. He thinks he might be vulnerable there. Here's a little of the back and forth between them. Um, Cut five. It is what it is. You know, I, I really go after the one who's second. And I think the one who's second is going down so much and so rapidly that I don't think he's going to be second that much longer. I think he's going to be third or fourth. He had a very bad day. Then he got very angry at the press. You're not allowed to get angry at the press. Yeah, meanwhile, he's the one who said fake news, fake news, fake news. He gets angry at the press all the time. But he goes on. Uh, so Ron DeSantis, uh, pushback. Cut nine. At the end of the day, leadership is not about entertainment. Leadership is not about virtue signaling. It's not about building a brand. It's ultimately about producing results for the people that you represent. And in Florida, we've done that. I mean, we are the fastest growing state in this country. We rank number one for net in migration and have every year since I've been governor. Uh, We just got ranked number one for education by U.S. News and World Report. We're number one for parental involvement in education. We're number one for education freedom. So... Donald, this is in response to Donald Trump being an entertainer and brand building, which they say he is. He's entertaining to listen to, but is he an entertainer? Is he building his brand? Well, he's got the best brand, whether good or bad, the most noted brand. How about that? The most noted brand in the world. So who's winning this back and forth, and will the polls change? Right now, I think President Trump in different states and overall, I'm not going to bore you with Monmouth or Reuters or for the most part, Donald Trump's got a 20, 30, 40-point lead, depending on the state and the overall and who's looking at it. But you're still looking at 2,000 people, and you're also looking at a situation where Ron DeSantis has not even been, been officially in the race one week yesterday. So I'm curious to see if there's going to be any change at all. And then does he change tactics? So Trump was asked about Chris Christie getting in next week and Mike Pence getting in next week. Cut 11. I, I don't think it matters. Uh, I don't know why people are doing it. They're at one percent. Some are at zero. I hear Chris Christie's coming in. He, he's at. He was at. He was at six percent in New Jersey, which is I love New Jersey, but six percent approval rating in New Jersey. What's the purpose? And he's he's polling at zero. Well, uh, we'll see how it goes. 
Uh, Rod, I think that he is so smart, Chris Christie. He's experienced. He knows Donald Trump. I know he knows Iowa and New Hampshire well. He's got a good team around him. I think he'll have a good foundation. He wouldn't have by, by a long shot have the most money. I think DeSantis will have that. I think that the president will have that. And I think that Tim Scott has that. Ben Dominich weighed in on what he's seen so far. Then I'll take a break and take it to your calls, I promise. Here's Ben. Cut 18. I think that the, the case that he's making is pretty clear. I'm the results-based candidate. Basically, I like a lot of the things that Donald Trump said that he espoused when he was running in 2016, when he was president, but I'm the person who can actually deliver the results there. If you want a wall built, that's great. I will actually deliver that. If you want, you know, to have the kind of changes that you want when it comes to law and order, when it comes to, you know, a number of other different areas, I will be able to deliver on that. And I've proven that in Florida and and in my experience there. I think the problem for, you know, DeSantis, though, in a lot of these different circumstances is that there is so much investment in Donald Trump as a, a figurehead, I think, of this movement, a populist movement that has transformed the Republican Party. And that's going to be something that I think is going to be pretty significant in terms of a challenge for him going forward. Yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, the, Trump is getting through it. I'm curious to see what happens. The Mar-a-Lago investigation, the tape recording that just emerged. George is a joke, uh, but they still might come ahead with an indictment there. Alvin Bragg moving forward with his February court date. So we'll see what's happening there. So that's what I think a lot of the others are looking at. People say, why is everyone getting in? Well, number one, it's a really good field. Nikki Haley, Governor Snoonu, Mike Pence, they're all just all but in. Then my, you know, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, all but in. You know, Larry Elder, extremely good on his feet, knows the issues. You've listened to his radio show. He's fantastic. Great on television, too. So this is a really good field. So you're not really reaching for talent. They're just saying, I want to be there. Well, number one, I'm sure on some level they all think they could win. And the other one is if Donald Trump is so caught up in legal problems that he has to step aside or the public starts turning on him, they want to be there. And they also want to have a chance if he does run maybe being number two. Certain people will never be number two. I can't see DeSantis being number two, Governor Sununu being number two, but Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, absolutely. All right, listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Uh, there's one line open, so fill it up, one 408 I'll go rapidly through it. At the bottom of the hour, the great Tyrus joins me. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, we've got a few minutes, so let's go out to Howard, listen to WABC in the app. Hey, Howard, DeSantis Trump, how's it going for you? Um, you know, I, I support DeSantis, but I really think he's missing out on some opportunities. If you look at uh, Donald Trump's presidency, 2018, they lost the House and lost, I think, the most seats than any other Republican president has ever lost. They also lost the Senate. They increased in the Senate, by the way. But they increased in the Senate in the midterms, but go ahead. Well, I'm saying they they ended up losing control of the Senate because uh, they lost in Georgia, the runoffs. Not not just this past year. But, but 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 Howard, don't you think he's pointing that out by saying, I want to get back to winning? Yeah, but that's very subtle. I think he needs to be more specific. Winning, what does that mean? Also, I mean, Ron DeSantis, actually, you know, the Republican Party gained tremendously in Florida. They have a supermajority. So 
his leadership is associated with gains, and, mm-hmm. and 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 Trump's leadership is associated with loss. And I don't think he's been so clear about yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, first few days. Tony Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Tony. Hi. You know, Brian, I'm so happy about uh, President Trump and how well he's doing, and he's endearing himself to the American people. But I do have to say, yesterday I spent a lot of time listening to the hearings on the debt ceiling, and the elephant in the room, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, is no one said a peep about the open border and all the money that that's just pumping out of our country. So I was amazed how, like, not one person said this man is looking for money in his budget or the administration. You know, why should we give them a penny when they're throwing our whole country open to the rest of the Uh, world? You know, Tony, listen, watch the appropriations process. It's going to be taking place over the summer. They're coming up with 12 different uh, appropriation bills. So in that, they'll probably jump on the wall. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Presidents do fall. They do. They trip and fall. President Obama did a few times. But no president has ever been 81 years old and run for re-election while they did so. His age is an issue here. The Republicans immediately jumped on this. They blasted all over social media. The White House was very quick to be defensive. They pride themselves, this White House, on being above the fray. We don't engage on Twitter. Yesterday, they were all over Twitter because they knew, they know, polls show that Americans do have concerns about the president's age. This is going to be a storyline they have to deal with. But they feel like they have. They feel like voters in 2020 know how old Joe Biden is. They know how old he is now. They like the job he's doing. He seems like he's fine. Wow. Jonathan LaMere, that's with Politico, weighing in after the president fell for the fourth time. And it's concerning. Anybody who has somebody in their life who's that age, you know when you fall, you're, and if you like them, you are extremely worried. And this is the fourth time, and he almost went down in Japan. Tyrus is with us now, Fox Nation host. Got a big show this weekend on Saturday at 10 o'clock. Co-host of Tyrus and Tim podcast and author of the book, uh, Just Tyrus, a memoir. He's got another one coming out. He's got huge shows coming up in July we're going to get to. But, Tyrus, as I was coming in here, I was just placing an order. And you, you, it's assumed it was Uber Eats. I have never ordered Uber Eats. Of course you don't. You, you're, you know, I was joking because you're, you'd walk with your backpack to go. You are always on the move. You don't have time to sit and wait for anything. You think the backpack was important to bring up? Yeah, I, because here's the thing. I, I always, I, I'm, I'm on the Gutfeld show, so I have to deal with Greg's serious envy of you. You know, his constant. Is that how you? That's how I look at it. I, I look, look at it as a hatred. I look at it as an envy. You know, he's like the little brother for whatever reason. Maybe it's because you're two inches taller. I don't know what the deal maybe is. more than two. Maybe, yeah, maybe a solid three and a half. But uh, you're always working. Like you, and I always make jokes like, when is his days off? <laughs> I, I, like, when does he actually take a day off? But uh, you're pretty much, the, you're the backbone. If there was a guy, I mean, you are our switch hitter. You're our bullpen guy. Somebody, something goes down in the, the ninth. Oh, Kilmey's got it. And I'm like, where is this? Do you have a room? In the, uh, in the Fox building where they you know a the hyperbolic is, chamber where they rest you up and, and break glass. I, I, I don't have the stand-up. I don't have the wrestling obligation. I'm not defending a title. I am not on uh, uh, every single day at, at What? That. You are on at least three times every day. Well, that's just, well you just say, I just do one thing. You're doing like five things. Uh-oh. And you're coming up with a memoir. I would never write a, about myself. This is your second one. Yeah. I loved your first one. Yeah, this one we got we got a little bit real. But what do you um, – 
You, you, but your books, you write history pieces. Right. And this is what I was going to ask you. I, should we focus on the topic I just had? Or yeah, let's do, do whatever you want to do. What do you think it's of your Eric, world. Uh, Eric or Pete, do you think I should stick with the line of questioning or do you think I should go back? I'll stay with love this. Love the line okay. of questioning. Okay, love the line. okay, here we go. They, they worked hard on this. Right. They did. They, did. they worked hard. <laughs> Look at this. I got 37 yeah, cuts I see that. here. Yeah, let's keep the, up. I'll the, do my best. All right. right. Okay, good. All right, let's just, uh, while you're uh, tonight at uh, Saturday night at 10 o'clock, you pumped up? Yeah, uh, it's always it's a great new opportunity, um, you know, and it, it's a big lineup, you know. I'm so on I'm, at I'm 8. I'm coming for you guys. Lawrence so, Jones at 9. Lawrence, you. And then, of course, we got the Gutfeld rerun. So, we got, you know, it's going to be a packed lineup. So, at 10 o'clock, I, I mean, I've, all of a sudden I get a message. Brian, can you stick around until 530? Uh, yeah. Tyrus wants to help. Now, I don't know anything about it. So, I'm just, we're sitting in meeting yesterday. I go, Tyrus needs help at 530. I go, this is the one day. I'm going to the Talkers Convention, which is Talk Radio's well, Bible. I assumed my said he's probably busy. But I didn't even know about this. Yeah, I didn't know about it. So what did they tell you your show is going to be like? Well, it's um, – Megan just basically said, hey. Megan Albano. Albano said, hey, we're going to do – we're doing a special this week and you're up. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. Right. Good <laughs> thing right, you didn't boss. have a match yeah, or, no, or an I, event. Uh, actually, I do. Saturday uh, – afterwards, i got to get it figured out somehow. But, uh, yeah, they were like um, – who would you want your first guest to be? And I was like, is there any way I can get kill me? I said, but I'll bet you lunch, because this is how I, I politics. I get free lunches. He's busy. And they're like, oh, no, he should be. I said, I guarantee he's busy. He's always working. You can't tell him three days out. It's impossible. But, so, but, you know, we got it covered. We'll, we'll get you on the next one. But but is your goal to, to – is this one of those things like bringing on Jonathan Turley? Or is it going to be Tyrus just riffing? Is it going to be a monologue? Have you thought about uh, it? It's a little bit. Of, it's um, one of the, again, this is. Brand new. This is brand, brand new. new. But one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to show, I wanted to have a show at the end of the everything where you can go to bed with a smile on your face. Okay. And see so be the, the lighter the other sides of the host that you walked all week. Okay. So it's it's going to be uh, where they can see your sense of humor. They always get to see it because when you're on Gutfeld, you're on the defensive. Right. You know I mean, you're basically in court with, with Gutfeld trying yeah. to it's besmirch a, your name and your, your integrity. So He looks at me and says, well, who booked him? Yeah, hey. he, he did. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the funny part. Like, you know, but uh, so it's like uh, trying to f- find different things and uh, some of the lighter stories. We, we capture some heavy stuff. We try to get some solutions. Um, I've got uh, Jessica Tarlov on this week, and it's called Be Kind to the Other Side. So I'm going to try. Right. I, I'm going to try. To extend the, the fig leaf to the other side and see if we can't come together and things we agree with. See, I think you, to me, if I was to coach or produce, I'd say take a slice of your podcast attitude. Yeah, of let it go, listen yeah, and that's move, exactly listen what it and is. move, yeah. listen and move. That's right? exactly what it is. All right, so I, I could be your executive producer. I'd take it. You would take it? Yeah, because one thing, you'd be like, just, uh, I got a million things, just go, whatever you got. <laughs> whatever you got is good, just go. Yeah, yeah that's be, fine, that's fine. So, so uh, this these live shows, uh, July 13th in Kearney, Nebraska. By the way, great, we have two great stations in Nebraska. We also have one in Omaha. You'll be there the next day on July 14th. July 15th, Concordia, Kansas. Van Buren, Arizona. I've never been there, but is it after Martin Van Buren? Uh, I think have it's you... Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas. I got to do better but uh, Arizona's coming uh, soon. I get a lot of emails from, from uh, Arizona. Thanks but, for saving me there. Yeah, July no 20th. I did the same thing. In Clovis, California. July 21st in Twin Falls, Idaho. The 22nd in Bozeman, Montana. Awesome. Uh, we got a great station in Billings, Montana on the 23rd. And Decatur, Illinois. 
this is going to be great. And when you go to the show, you get you get Tyrus. Right. But you also do basically do stand-up. It's a stand-up show. Uh, and then I do like a fun Q&A at the end with the crowd. But uh, it's Do you about, find they're wrestling? Are they Fox? Are they both? I don't. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. And then we started a, a new group, which is the comedian group. So it's a mix of everything. Uh, I'll have anyone. I'll have a, a 21-year-old uh, up-and-coming athlete in there, and then I'll have an a, a 80-year-old lady who's a little handsy, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the same time. So it's, uh, it's kind of like our audience, man. It's real diverse. It's different, and uh, I get the same the same thing every time. I was not expecting that, right? You know, and uh, I was lucky enough uh, to where I got uh, the uh, Fox group to come: Dana Perino, Judge Janine, Megan, Susan Scott. They all came to my show. I saw show the and, picture. Yeah, they and came to the thing, and uh, I got on Judge Janine a little bit. It was the one time I was safe that I could talk back to her finally. She was in the audience. She was in the audience, and then, uh, but I forgot how loud her laugh is. So this is how much power you have. I was in New Jersey, too, just as quick. You could have got there right from New York City. Not one of those people came to my show. Well. I mean, how should I take that, Tyrus? Oh, I would take it back. Did, did you invite him, or did you do what you – did you kind of Did just you do, invite Uh It started out with Dana. You know, if when Dana Perino says she's going to something, she's going. Right. It started with Dana. Oh, so you mentioned on the air. Yeah, and then uh, Dana asked me about it. I did it on the five. I mentioned on the five, which you also – uh, cover sometimes, right. always in the big chair. And uh, then Judge Neen was like, well, she's going, I'm going. And then uh, Megan was like, well, I want to go. So <laughs> it's like, you know, and then it came together and then they said that the boss lady was going. No, no Suzanne. pressure, no pressure. And uh, I remember going, man, I use a lot, I say a lot of F word. You know what? Sometimes you just got to go with it. So I did. And uh, they had a good time, but uh, I forgot how loud Judge Janine's laugh is. Right. So when I, I hit her with some stuff um, and she was a good. She was a good sport, but um, you know, it's just one of those. It's a. It's a good time. It's. It's a good time. I'm not solving any world problems. We have some fun questions. We have some make some fun stuff. We make some fun of ourselves a lot. Make fun of the crowd, right? You know, because you have to laugh at yourselves. You know, right? I mean, did you see that comment? I just played it. Donald Trump gave his first self-deprecating moment that I can remember. I mean, did you hear what he said about how he walked down that ramp? Oh, yeah. I but mean, like, can we but he say, can because he didn't. He, he was down and he was up. Because Joe Biden fell, and I'm going to get to that. But listen to Joe. I'm going to listen to some of this. Listen to this. You know, it was very interesting. I think I made my best speech. and That was my best speech. And I was so proud of it. It was pouring. It was pouring. And I said, this speech was so good. And then I said, how do I get down? Sir, you have to go down the ramp. I said, the same one I came up, it was a long, like an ice skating rink. And they said, yes, sir. And I had the general next to me, the commandant of cadets, nice guy, big guy, strong guy. I said, general, uh, and he's wearing combat boots. They don't slip too much. I said, general, get ready, because I may have to grab you here. But I said, I'm not falling. There's no way. So I'd go tippy-toe down the thing. (laughs) That was a mistake, because it didn't look so good. I even agree it wasn't. Right. But he can say that. You know why? Why? Because he's not feeble and he didn't fall. Right. At the, at the least, it was a slip. And it was not something that we he did, yeah. We haven't but, seen but it. That's the human side. I haven't no, seen and, that, that side that, of that him. That is the, I'm going, that was actually very clever. Like, I slipped and I was embarrassed about it. And I can talk about it. Right. He had those little steps down there. Biden's thought, not talking about it. President Biden's not talking about it. And they immediately had a complete ad campaign like trying to and here's the best part he actually turned and pointed to something like <laughs> have that removed and then there was a report out that it was a sandbag 
Right. I was like, what were you? Was it a hurricane speech? Like, uh, what, why would you have a sandbag? Just who puts a sandbag there? Right. I would have that. Whoever, whoever put that podium together would have to be fired. So, Tyrus, what I'm going to do, and keep this in mind, if we'll be friends when I'm 80, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So you do security. Yeah, so used to, yeah, but used to executive security. But, yeah. I mean, you great it's expensive. At it. Yeah. So you, every client's different. Some are like five foot one and billionaires, right? Yeah, they, yeah. They're worried about being yeah, attacked or, guys, yeah. or tough with their balance. Stand around them, right? You make sure this guy's going to need a hand. They, no one, no one watching out for this guy. They let him walk up the stairs by himself. There's no one behind him to block should something happen. Quick hand underneath, and he's caught. It's like they're setting him up to do this. I, I think that has a lot to do with him, though, because a client only allows you to do so much. Right. Uh, perfect example. When I was, uh, I bodyguarded for uh, Prince a couple nights. Prince wanted, like, to be on top of him, make sure no one touched him. At one point, I even had to carry him through a crowd dam. You know, so he That's didn't. He did, yeah, he didn't want. Um, to be because it wasn't just one person touching him. It was a mob. It wasn't like one person like, hey, pat him on the shoulder. It was like they want to rip pieces of his clothing off to say, hey, yeah, yeah. I touched Prince. Then you have someone like uh, a Mike Tyson who I was watching one night. Mike doesn't need much. You know, people will move out of his way. Right. You know, Buster Rhymes, same thing. So there's certain guys that like, you know, they set the perimeter. The thing I've noticed with the president is a complete denial of the obvious. He's deteriorating. It's not a Democrat thing. It's not a Republican thing. Right. Anybody who has a grandfather or an uncle who's getting to the point to where they can't walk anymore, they fall, their hips are going to go. And the falls are what usually lead to the end. It's a fall, you know. Uh, and when you're dealing with someone with the what I have observed is he's very prideful because at this point, as many times as he's he's fallen or as many times as he's I, I get that's why the negotiations for the for the debt ceiling took so long because he wouldn't meet for negotiation. There, that's there's a reason for that. There's a reason why they're, they're he's not afraid to be one on one. Yeah, and the, they're afraid. I think he's willing. That's the problem. We need the handlers who's handling him are afraid. They'll do all the talking for him, and we're seeing the same thing. Well, he won't debate anyone because who do sit down with interviews? No, he won't because if he was to sit with you. And I would guarantee you, you, Brett Baer, would be respectful of the president, but you would ask him quite, you wouldn't throw him softball questions, and then the frustration would come in, and which would happen to anyone. If I started losing my senses and started getting to that point of age, especially with men, if you look at it, it's a frustration. You get it's anger. It's an anger. You know, a lot of, and we hear reports of yelling and outbursting. I think they know damn right well that he's not going to make it. To a second term, he might not finish this term. They just don't have. So the you replacement. think in the fall there's going to be drama? There's, there's going to be democratic is, drama. The fall he was having it beforehand. No, I mean the fall of this year. Yeah. By this oh, yeah. year they're oh, going to be year, looking yeah. for a substitute. I, I think I think Kamala Harris will be president before this is over. Well, that means he's going to run. No, no, I mean he's going to. I don't think he finishes the term. Wins. I really don't. I feel like the the handlers are running the show. Let's just be let's just be real for a minute. If as much heat as he gets for these these really progressive policies, this isn't Joe Biden in terms of, like, his political stance. People was, are happy about what he's done. Oh, the group that's, that's benefiting, yeah, a thousand percent. Most of, if we see the polls, most of Americans are not because he's catering to special groups, special interest groups. Yeah. He's not catering to the, the American, the general and, and American And this is public. how right you are. I went up to Henry Cuellar and I go, Henry, how does it work to his advantage politically? Because he's a Democrat on, with a border state in Texas. I go, well, does it, why, you're the expert. Why don't you just talk to him and say, you, this could, these are the things you could do to, that a Democrat would do just to make the border secure and, make, and take the issue off the table. He goes, he said to me that the left-wing groups got to him before I did. 
And he basically sold his soul to these groups who don't want anything no. less than four to six million here illegal. Can you imagine? I, well, the, the frustrating thing with that is when you, you say the special interest groups, I think uh, it's his, his wife. The hires are very glaring because they're all super progressive hires. You know, everyone Check a box them. hires. Yeah, they're all equity hires. And they're all from uh, from represent particular groups. And those are the only groups, issues that are on the table. And then the counter answer is if you question or charge anything, you're racist, you're a bigot, and you're un-American. So that they've got it laid it out. They've laid it out to play it out. And Biden, I don't think if he was at – if we had Joe Biden from five years ago, I don't think – I think it would be more of a moderate presidency – and we probably wouldn't have as many issues socially as we're having right now in this country. But that's not who we have anymore. More with Tyrus in just a moment. Tyrus is going to be hosting Saturday at 10. I'll be on at 8 on One Nation. Then Lawrence Jones will continue to get closer to Tyrus by being on at 9. And then Tyrus takes the mantle. And he just found out a couple of days ago, and he's wearing shorts. It's summertime. Back in Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, right, we are back. Uh, so Tyrus has got a show at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Are you on Gutfeld today? Yep. So this is a lot of work. Oh, Maybe. yeah. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a busy morning. Uh, and then I got... Uh, Fox and Friends first. Fox and Friends first. And then uh, with you. Then I got to hit the gym. At some point, I got to find my barber. And you probably. like our gym, by the way. Oh, our gym is phenomenal. It is it is that it is my Disney world. It's the happiest place on earth for me. It has everything I need and I no longer have to spend money on car service and stuff to go to Midtown. So And you can shower? It's got everything. That's the one thing I've noticed is that the the shower facility is used more than the actual gym. There's a lot of people running down there like, Oh, is that yeah, true? Yeah, yeah. I think they so, so get t- off work, take a shower, get dressed up and hit the city, they ain't got to go home. Maybe I'm exposing my acumen or my uh, IQ. But it takes me a long time to figure out how to work that shower. I mean, I just want an H and a C. Yeah. Right? I'm looking at it like, what, what is the yeah. point going on? And I can't sit there forever. And then so you sit there and you think to yourself, is it getting colder or is my hand getting numb? Yeah, because right? yeah, that's the one. There's some. There's some Do you, like, they have if, to work out some kinks. Could you give me directions? Is that wrong? Here's the deal. If you if you train hard, you don't care. About the shower. Yeah, because when you walk through, you're, you're exhausted. If you, you know the big thing that. now, the plunge pool and the, the song. Yeah, do you I do keep, that? Uh, yeah, I do the plunge pool, but I have to be alone because <laughs> anyone near me will get an epitaph of insults. I hate ice. I hate the cold. Uh, when I was at W.A. Mark Henry, we were at the, in the Baltic Sea, and they, and, uh, and, and they wanted us to do the polar bear plunge. And he was getting everybody excited. And I was like, yeah, cool. And we walked out there, and he ran, and he jumped in the water and, and? and just did the thing. And I was like, well, I feel like you represented all of us today. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, here to for support. I did the same thing with the cryotherapy. I'm like, excuse me. I went in there, and people were staying for four or five minutes. Yeah. It's insane. Nope. Uh, Kevin Hart has a talk show or a podcast where they do it in an ice, ice tub. And I love Kevin Hart, but I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do it either. No, I do it because I know it's great for my, my knees and my shoulders. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Uh, we come to you from 1211 6th Avenue, 48th and 6th. But I don't want to give away all my information, so I won't tell you what floor I'm on. So you'll never be able to find it. Plus, no one knows exactly where to go. And plus, even if you get your pass, you get stuck in the, in the vestibule. So, security wise No one wants to be in the vestibule. And for long. But sometimes you have to sit there. It's hard to act cool when you don't have your pass. Oh, and yeah. And then you wait for anyone desk. to walk through. You're one of the normies at the at the desk. Woo! Right. Shannon Bream at the bottom of the hour, and Kennedy is here right now. That's absolutely right, Brian. Correct. So listen, I could dazzle you with a big three, but I don't need to dazzle you anymore. It's over. We are bedazzled. Right. In our friendship. Right. Is, is bedazzle a description you often use? Not enough. Not enough. Clearly. Okay, clearly. It seems so new. I remember that's like a children's game, right, for like 11-year-olds to do something with their friends before they go to bed in a sleepover. Yeah, it's putting like sparkly stuff on things. Isn't that's it a, bedazzling. Do you put, um, let's say, a diamond or a fake diamond fake in a diamond. gun and you shoot it into the pants or handkerchief? Well, it's, it's not... It's the kind of gun that I would actually trust Alec Baldwin with. <laughs> it can't no. get hurt. Can't no. hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, is anyone trusting Alec Baldwin with anything? They shouldn't. I heard that he yelled at an usher that just asked him the movie was starting. He goes, I can't. I didn't know I can't sit here and talk to my friend. I haven't talked to my friend in a long time. And he started unloading on the yeah, usher. If you'd want to talk to your friend, maybe a dark, quiet movie theater isn't the best venue. Right. Read the room, sir. Right. So. Again, if he's listening, we're trying to help him. Trying to help him meld into society. You know what? What is wrong with our intervention? Sorry, I thought good friends from Long Island were the the way of the future, Brian. Right, I am from Long Island. Absolutely right. We never bonded, me and Alec. That's a are you, shame. Are you surprised? I'm surprised and ashamed for and, him. And ashamed for him. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about for me? Well, you know, yeah. work in progress, Brian. So uh, last night, the uh, I, I'm loving this week. Because we finally – and some Republicans are upset by it. I'm not uh, – I don't think Democrats should revel in it because I think DeSantis and Trump going at it finally officially in. Before um, before we talk about where it's going, how do you think about how it started? I think DeSantis – and I understand he wanted to fulfill his duties as governor and keep the promises that he made to not get into any race until the end of the legislative session. But that left him open for so many attacks for so long. So many ads. Unanswered. And, you know, he's got a lot of money behind him and he's got a lot of curious people. But it's very interesting because he's not going to beat – and I was thinking about this this morning. He's not going to beat Donald Trump the way Joe Biden did. You know, you're really just speaking to your crowd when you're running for president. There's a Republican crowd. There's a Democrat crowd. When you're running for the nomination. Yeah. There's a lane in between. But Joe Biden is just talking to people who hate Trump. So if he can go and attack Trump, that's red meat. That's all they want to hear. That's how he got elected. Republicans can't do that because they are talking to a group of people who still very much love Trump, love his policies, miss how things were in his presidency pre-pandemic, maybe don't like some of the, the personal, loud, chaotic shenanigans. But you're talking to a group of people who don't hate him. So you have to run very differently. So everyone thinks they can run like Trump runs and bully Trump the way he bullies, and you can't. And no Republican has figured that out yet. If DeSantis can do that, he's politically brilliant, and he deserves a nomination. I love your breakdown. Here is uh, Trump yesterday asked by Sean Hannity about DeSantis. Cut five. It is what it is. You know, I, I really go after the one who's second. 
And I think the one who's second is going down so much and so rapidly that I don't think he's going to be second that much longer. I think he's going to be third or fourth. He had a very bad day today. He got very angry at the press. You're not allowed to get angry at the press. That's sarcastic. Because he spends his whole, <laughs> whole career yeah. yelling at the press. Literally loved press conferences so he could yell at the right. press. Right. Next. You. You. Yeah. Go. 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 Remember those days when we had a president to talk to the press? Give me a second. Okay. Now I'm back. Mm-hmm. Back to the days we have right now. Uh, here's DeSantis coming at Trump. Cut six. As president, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to be focused because this is a massive amount of power that's accumulated in these unaccountable agencies. They are not going to give that up willingly. Uh, this is going to be in the trenches day after day. You know, I think you really need to ensure that we have a two-term president to be able to see this to a conclusion. I mean, you do one term and they reverse it when they come in. You can't have it be reversed. We can't let the bureaucracy just wait us out. So he's just doing, you know, you can't, uh, you have to be disciplined. That's a shot at Trump. A little bit later, he says you can't be entertained. It's not about branding. That Those are shots at Trump. I'm interested to see if subtle shots are effective because you can't alienate the people that like him, but say, look at how I'm different. I got a track record to show you I'm effective. Yeah, no, he has such a tightrope to walk. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And it's, it's unenviable, but again, if he can do it, he deserves it. He hasn't been able to do it so far. It's still very early in the race. Um, I think that Trump has nowhere to go but down. The question is, is he going to go down? And Jason Meister was on my final show on Fox Business last night and made the point that, yes, 20 points, you can overcome 20 points, 35 points, almost impossible. And, you know, even at this stage of the race, but so many things can happen, as we know, between now and next November. It's not like, even well, this November. Well, here's the thing. You don't wonder what, what that mystery bump in the road is. You know it's going to be the Mar-a-Lago case and the possible indictment. It's going to be the Georgia and January 6th investigation. Uh, what's going to come of the Alvin Bragg farce in February? Now, those three things, let's say they all end up in indictments. Kennedy, what's your reaction? How does that affect the field? Um, it affects former President Trump because everyone who is prosecuting him wants him to fail politically. So they will make sure that he is required to be in court uh, during debates and critical points during the election cycle. Do you think that they'd be, be able to get away with that? I mean, right now, I think the Trump campaign is hoping for more indictments because he got such a massive bump after the Bragg indictment, and it really reactivated the protection that so many of his voters felt when he was impeached twice and, you know, they felt that he was misunderstood and every agency, every body, every institution had been so highly politicized against him that that protective nature kicked in so they could push back against the deep state and against the machine. So Trump was a little bit fine. I thought he was self-deprecating yesterday for the first time, talking about going down the ramp. And he said, well, I didn't really look too good on that. That was a mistake. He actually said the world's that was a mistake. You show a human side to this big character. I think there could only be upside in that. And he also talked about women's sports. Like, what's going on here? Listen to what he said about his basketball team, Cup 13. It's crazy. I'm not a fan of LeBron James, but I said, you know, if I were the coach of a women's basketball team, I would have the greatest team. I'd say, uh, LeBron, would you like to become a woman? (laughs) And... And I go to another four or five big guys and I'll say, how about we will be undefeated for many, many years. There will never be anything like it. I'll, have the great, I'll, be, I'll go down as the greatest coach in history. They'll say I was the greatest ever. 
women, I mean, men playing women's sports. Yeah. We sit there, you sit there on the couch every day, and you, you, you sit in your chair, and we go, oh, what are we talking about? When are women going to stand up for women? And he had a funny way of explaining that. When is the left going to stand up for women? Yes. And this is, so this is, I think there's a very important distinction. You know, talking about fairness in women's sports is not the same thing as being anti-trans. I'm not anti-trans. I have trans friends, many of them, many, many gay friends. I'm not anti-gay by any measure. And I think those two things are separate. But fairness in women's sports, that is something that you're absolutely right. And he's absolutely right. Like, if it's really about the best, most capable athlete, then it would only be men on these teams. There's a reason that Title IX was created. I don't necessarily agree with it because I think a lot of men's sports have suffered because of it. But you have to be honest. You have to be fair. You can't pretend that men and women are the same. That was the debate. I remember doing so many stories on that. And you lost the other sports that didn't have, like, gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Took a pounding. UCLA does not have a men's gymnastics program or a men's swimming program. Wow. That is shocking to me. Because? Because You have to have as many as men and women. You have to have as many scholarships for men's sports and women's sports. And football has 70, Mm -hmm. you know, 50, whatever it is. How do you match that? What you do is you cut other sports. Yes. um, Other men's sports. And UCLA has this huge history in gymnastics in particular, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's like Notre Dame getting rid of football, uh, almost, <laughs> uh, in that world. So the other thing After is— After Manti Teo, I thought they were going to. Right. Uh, when he had the— Fake girlfriend. Which happens. We've it does all, happen. Right. I mean, Brian. Right. <laughs> it happened this week. Right. You had a fake girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I did. You did. Fantastic. <laughs> so let me ask you this. As obvious as this question seems, should men be allowed to play women's sports, we— Knew the answer. No one knows how to answer it. Do you think a president should be able to walk? Yes. Okay. So what do you have against Joe Biden? Um, and, you know, I love Jessica Tarlov. She's an incredible friend and an amazing mother. But she said, you know, we had a president in a wheelchair, FDR. Yes, because he contracted polio as a child. Uh, you know, we have a president who is in mental and physical decline. And he has to be minded physically Every second of the day, not just by the Secret Service, but by his wife, by the Easter Bunny, like he will wander off and talk to people who, A, he shouldn't be talking to, and B, who are not there. And, you know, there these problems, I don't know if anyone has ever been around an older person in their life, they tend to compound. Right. And, you know, we, we love our grandparents. We cherish Absolutely. them. We protect them. We make sure that they are in places where they cannot be harmed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we we spent a lot of time, years in anxiety, focused on that. Uh, we should do the same thing with the president because otherwise putting him and keeping him in this position is elder abuse. It is. And there's got to be panic also. I'm struck, by the way, if you have an A and a B and your second one, he talks to people that aren't there, I think that should be the A. Yeah. Yeah, right? In yeah. retrospect. But mm-hmm. we are live. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> he does, right? Yeah. He Goes for them on stage. And he got, I guess he got caught again on stage even before he fell, not knowing where to go. So this is, I don't know how this ends. It's just not over. We're not it doesn't end about, well. Right. What about for the country? How bad we look? The, the president's a symbol of our don't country. Don't we deserve better? Right. I mean, when you've got 70% of people saying, yeah, I think he's incompetent and he and shouldn't run again. Democrats. Yeah, a majority of Democrats think he's, and it's not, it's not just age. I know some spry people in their 80s who are smart, whip smart. How about Senator Grassley? Yeah, I, I he's older he's than sexy. Joe Biden. I would I would buy a Chuck Grassley calendars. Grassley is right. what I would do. Bobblehead. Why wouldn't you? Right. If they're for sale. Maybe little tiny shorts. Right. I'd do it. You mean Grassley and tiny shorts? Yeah, I think I I said it and I didn't stutter. Right. Uh, 
Okay, sorry. Wow. <laughs> Jumping down my throat. Um, all right. So we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Uh, I want to take a break. We have another segment with you? Yeah, we absolutely do. Right. Okay. You make all the decisions. Well, Brian. So far. Thanks for canceling my show, by the way. I do. <laughs> oh, I need the 7 o'clock on Fox Business as well. I'm not doing enough. How did you find that out? I said, <laughs> if I take the show, just promise me you'll not use my name. Yeah. Yeah, right. they're calling you Larry Cudlow. Bit right. rude. When we come back, the inside story. That's absolutely right. Back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This site, BidenLaptopMedia.com, is our group's third project. We put together a 644-page dossier on the contents of the device. It's called Report on the Biden Laptop. That was released in October of 2022. The second project was BidenLaptopEmails.com, 128,000 emails that anybody with an Internet connection can go to and download all of them. And so this was the third installment of our nonprofit research group putting out these photos in a responsible way. All of the genitalia is redacted, and there is considerable genitalia. And all of the Social Security numbers and credit card information is redacted. And so this is our mission uh, to bring truth and transparency. If the American people want to know what their first family is like, they're going to get it. So that is the creator of BidenLaptopMedia.com, Garrett Ziegler, which it turns out, and I've been saying this all along, and you've been pushing back, it's not Russian disinformation. It's actually his laptop. <laughs> right? It so, is his laptop. Right. And even his lawyer's like, can we just have a laptop? And it's like... And would, they still won't admit it. But even in the custody case with the stripper and the yes. illegitimate child who wants his last name, which she is entitled to, the judge is like, is it his laptop? And the lawyer's like, well, I can't speak to that. And the judge is like, you know if it's his or not. It's your client. So he's claiming poverty. Can't afford to pay for flies his legitimate in on child. a PJ. Yep. Yeah, flies in forty thousand dollar a month Malibu house ah, yeah. plus twenty k for the house next lawyers. door for the Secret Service. Does yeah. anybody speak up? You know what, Hunter? We might want to take Delta. This might be the time to fly coach. <laughs> yeah, even dumb Prince Harry flew commercial back to California because he knew it would look so bad if he's on a private jet after his dad's coronation. Right. I mean, think about this though. You're dealing with a guy that feels so impervious or wants to get caught. He had a book tour. Before uh, owning up to this laptop, knowing that somebody Locked was going to ask him about it, and he, Amy Roback asked him about it. Is it your laptop? I really don't know. Well, it's, I mean, she followed up two or three times, and then Jimmy Kimmel goes, why don't you just get Apple Care?" And they all laughed it off. Mm-hmm. And then you have these 51 Intel experts did what they did. And by the way, you know who's getting Shame on them, and, and there should be accountability there. Right. Like, they should all be stripped of their that. clearance. Do you believe— Because if you have— Top secret clearance, and you're using that information, weaponizing it against a political figure? Absolutely not. You you do not get to be a part of the deep state anymore. Especially longer. when the person explains, oh, yeah, I did that for political reasons yes. to give a talking point to Joe Biden. When you would think we'd have to give him sodium pentothal to get that, you just said uh, that was Mike Morrell. And Leon Panetta is the biggest disappointment because I know he's going to be left, and I know he was a Republican, became a Democrat. I understand he hates Trump. Everybody hates Trump. On the left, I get it. But you would think you'd go, yeah, I haven't seen the laptop. I'm not going to do it. Or call up Joe Biden and just say, Joe, is, is, yeah, is, is this Yeah, he ran the DOD email? and the CIA. Yeah. My, and I think he was Clinton's chief of staff. Yes. Like all this, all this stuff, all this history. And it's like, really, you've been around this rodeo. Like, you know the actual intel. So do you You've think, seen alien bodies. So, and you're still signing on to this garbage? Right. And the alien bodies, no belly button, correct? I don't think they have belly buttons. Right. I don't think they gestate in the same way. Pete, would you uh, find out? 
Can we get uh, confer- can we send that to the brain room? You know what, uh, you. Pete, don't worry about it. Eric, can you look into that? Mm-hmm. Probably better. Uh, so I, I got the, uh, Geraldo said this is a dry hole. Everyone should stop investigating all this Biden stuff. Forget about the whistleblowers. Not a dry hole. And I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah. And I think Comer's on the right track. And I think that Christopher Wray coming over showing him this 1023, which I later found out, was unverified dictation of what a claim, an FBI agent, bonded, passed all the background checks, effective, you imagine, says this is what happened, this is my story, which gives it validation. So I think we're then on verify a path. It. If it's unverified, then verify it. Thank you. Isn't that what the FBI used to do? Yeah, but – and. and also, like, what happened to Admiral Kirby when he is confronted with a poll that says, you know, a vast majority of Americans think the president is corrupt? And he says, the president has already spoken to that. And it's like, OK, so if you ask Bernie, Bernie Madoff, are you corrupt? And he goes, no. Do you think a, an appropriate defense is Bernie has already spoken to that? He's not, you know, O.J. Simpson. O.J., did you murder your ex-wife and her friend? No. O.J. has spoken to that. O.J. is not a murderer. <laughs> It's like you that's not how it works. Right. Someone isn't confronted with something and goes, no, it wasn't me. And then we go, well, there's the truth. Right. He wanted to talk about Erdogan's election. That's the problem. Admiral Kirby just sat there. But I will say this. That look on Admiral Kirby's face is the look of somebody who has no clue how the rest of the world thinks and the questions that are out there. Because he really looked not panicked. Like, what are you talking about, yeah, you crazy lunatic? But that's their only lunatic. defense. Like – this is old news. This is fake. And it's like maybe it's not fake news. Maybe if we had either investigators or investigative journalists who were pretty agnostic right. about politics and they could look into this stuff just surveying the facts, maybe we would come to some uncomfortable conclusions and an inconvenient truth. And let me just say I'm sad your show's not going to be up. Thank you, Brian. All right. Me too. But I did not try to get the show. Well, yeah. You heard things. Remains to be seen. <laughs> Kennedy, great to see you. You too, Brian. All Thank right. you. Don't move. Uh, guess who's coming up? Your arch enemy, Shannon Breen. Ah! Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. But when I heard uh, DeSanctis go out and say... Uh, and, and talk about eight years. We need eight years. You don't need eight years. You need six months. We can turn this thing around so quickly. If you need eight years, who the hell wants to wait eight years? You don't need eight years. I'll have it turned around, and I think fully turned around. You know, if the former president says he can slay the deep state in six months, my question to him would be, well, you already had four years. Why didn't you slay it then? So cool. I, I love this stuff. And today on, on One Nation, I'm going to go over different sparring sessions in the past among, among party members. And it's the way we used to do it. I mean, I don't love the personal attacks, but Obama and Hillary got extremely personal. Bush 41 and Buchanan, extremely personal. I, I would think McCa- Bush 43 and John McCain, the first time around, they hated each other's guts. And I think people have to relax. Democrats got to stop celebrating and Republicans got to stop panicking. A woman that never panics was uh, part of the K-Love Awards, the old Christian artist, movie, TV, podcast, and books. Uh, she is well, part of that. It's going to air on TBN tonight at 8 o'clock and again at 10 o'clock, which is made Friday night just to de-conflict with One Nation that airs Saturday at 8. And, Jan, oh, yeah. I appreciate that. Shannon Bream is with us. 
<laughs> we would never do that. There's no overlap there. Um, so you have two chances tonight to find out whether I actually won anything or not. Oh, you were up for an award. I thought you, I just assumed you were hosting. No, no. I, I did hand out the award for Best Female Artist of the Year. Um, and also um, Love Stories of the Bible Speak was up for an award. But I think the real winner of the night is I sent you a picture. You have to check your email of my husband's tuxedo that he wore from the 1970s. He decided to go full Dumb and Dumber <laughs> because he found a pair of Air Jordans that match the tuxedo. So uh, it's brown, it's velvet, it's got a big bow tie, and really that was the winner of the night. Okay. I don't think I got it yet. Did you text it to me? No. I'll, te- oh, I'll text it to you right now because yeah, it's really a sight to Because I would love to see that. You know, Shell is a very laid-back guy, so I don't know what happened with his tuxedo. Oh, look at that. That is that is different. That is, and that is a, he decided to go for it. Yeah, that is a man that wanted to make sure that it was all about the woman. He went vintage. Yeah, I love no seriously. I would I'd wear that in a second. Unless they told me black tie, I would. I I'd wear I that. I want him to wear it to the White House Correspondents Dinner next year. You get like the everybody takes themselves so stinking seriously at that dinner. I'm like you have to wear the brown Dumb and Dumber tuxedo next year. Well, let me ask you. I mean, I haven't been in a couple of years. I've, I find it is way oversold. You can't walk yep. in between tables. Oh, it's so exactly. So I don't know. And then the comedians spend all their time harping on Fox News. Which... And the cameras, they will try to get reaction on our faces, too. And it's like, we know it's coming. We're not surprised. We are prepared for this. So I'm in the I'll tell you a story that might not pay off. Should I try it anyway? Yeah, let's see. All right. So Barack Obama's president of the United States. And out of nowhere, I'm sitting in the worst seat. I'm way in the back on the upper level, in the back on a chair. I don't know anybody at the table. There were people there I could have sat with, but whoever made it put me with a bunch of strangers that I don't know. (laughs) And I'm in the back. I go, wow, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to go outside and just pave the cash bar and go somewhere else. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, a a woman taps me on the shoulder, and she's like, I am Tulsi Gabbard. I'm in Hawaii. You know, I'm from Hawaii. No one knows me here either. And we start having this great conversation. And so it was great. But it gets better. Out of nowhere, Barack Obama puts up a picture of the three of us, <gasps> including my female anchor. And the female anchor, he goes, it's, he goes, and look at this. It's a, I forgot the saying. What's between two thorns? A rose between two rose. thorns. It's a rose between two thorns. And the whole place turns around and looks at me. And I say to myself, <gasps> how did everybody know I had the worst seat at the correspondence <laughs> dinner? They all ignored me, but they knew exactly where to look. Oh, they weren't ignoring. They were trying to act cool and above it all, but, but they were taking account. They knew exactly where you were. They all wanted to be Tulsi Gabbard next to me. Well, I mean, I, you, you were probably the most entertaining, fun person there, which I like. All right. So talk about entertaining and interesting. How do you Can feel I say about one more my thing about the dinner first? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, because this year I was seated next to General Brown, who's now been nominated to be the chair of the Joint Chiefs. And he was super interesting and very nice. And I'm glad I got a chance to meet him. Well, we'll I mean, seriously, oh, most of these people that get to that level are all extremely smart and accomplished. Yes. Do you really think he can do the job? Yeah, he sure seemed like it. And, and he comes from a military background, and he and his wife seem just like they are all about serving this country. And you've got to make a lot of sacrifices to do what they've done and live all over the world and drag your family around and everything else. I was really impressed by him. So because I personally, I know that people that know him like him, but I could not have been more disappointed in General Milley, especially after the Afghanistan debacle, uh, not standing up, putting the stars down on the table and saying, if you leave the way you're going to leave – 
this will be mm-hmm. the biggest disaster in American history because in testimony, he admitted that I knew it was going to be bad. And I just said, I'm going to mitigate the damage. And mm-hmm. obviously it was bad. Everything left behind the people that died along the way. Mm-hmm. And to say it wasn't my fault. I couldn't have been more disappointed, even along the way, disavowing his walk with the president rather than walking with the president, former president, uh, mm-hmm. along the way, turning on the president, calling up his Chinese counterpart. The way he acted, I couldn't believe how how, how many times he let me down. So you're ready for the new guy. I'm hoping he's good. To sum it up. Yeah. <laughs> ready for the new guy, General Brown. I am. Okay. Anything else? I think that's it. This is your interview. So first of all, I want to make sure you get your plug in. So who's coming on oh, okay. your show on Sunday? We've got Senator Joe Manchin with us. For one thing, um, is he's, he's going to make a third-party run? I have to ask him every single time I see him. He has not taken it off the table. He's not given us a hard no. So we'll talk about that. And also, he got a sweet pipeline deal in this debt deal that other people are ticked about. They are not happy. So we'll talk about that. We've got Senator Tom Cotton with us. Um, he's really part of this gang pushing for more defense spending. They feel like the cuts are dangerous that are in the debt ceiling. Um, and by cuts, mean it doesn't grow with inflation. So they consider that a cut. He's a veteran. We'll talk about what he's doing there. And also Governor uh, Kim Reynolds out of Iowa. She's hosting all of the GP contenders this week. Does she think anybody's breaking through? Does President Trump just run away with it? What happens? We'll, we'll have her take. See, Hughes was so invaluable of the governor, not only governor of Iowa, but she also got school choice, correct? Right. School choice. And she's sending National Guard to the border to help out Texas. One she's got a lot th- going yeah. on. Yeah. And I think her and DeSantis really hit it off. And I think she's going to have a hard time not endorsing him. If especially if it's yeah, really close she doesn't in. endorse, you know, at least not at this early stage. So we'll see. I mean, you know, you and I have been to Iowa many, many times. We'll be back there many, many times. I'm going to, I think, for the state fair this year, which I'm super excited about. Um, and we'll see if she gets any closer to making a choice publicly. So uh, I played initially, it seemed like two days ago, but it was actually just 10 minutes. <laughs> I played the DeSantis and Trump back and forth. Yes. I, I uh, Before we get the first poll of DeSantis officially in the race, and when you see the yawning gap the president has earned, I think he's been very disciplined. His team is great. His ads are solid. But going after DeSantis, do you see DeSantis in that first poll showing a gain? I think he needs to. I mean, there's been so much expectation on him. But you remember the, all of his critics and the Trump people are like, he's terrible with people. He's not good at the retail politics. He so when he shows up and people are actually like, he stayed and took selfies. He talked to all of us. He answered all of our questions. You know, they've managed expectations so downward for him, his opponents, that when he shows up and does a respectable job, people are like, oh, this guy's really great. You know, his team has this idea that they want to have five personal contacts with every potential voter in Iowa before the caucuses. So they know they have their work cut out for them. But so far, it looks like he gets enough of this retail politicking thing to connect with the audiences and people he's talking to. And he's now going to go in earnest back and forth with President Trump, name names, points of policies, that whole thing. So we'll see if voters move. I do. I, I, my projection is I know you can't uh, give your opinion, but my, my projection is yes. Number two is I met somebody that went to two separate events of his, and he interacts with every single one of them. So he mm-hmm. he has easily made the – by the way, it's an easy adjustment to make. Just shake people's hand that are giving you money. I mean, it's not hard. It should no, be well, instinctive. Right, and especially when people are like, oh, he's so robotic and he's yeah. not good at this. So like I said, when he shows up, even if yeah. he does you know, average and people say they think he's doing above average, um, you know, then he is uh, out outdoing his expectations. So I want to get your uh, – I want to pivot if I can. So we'll see what happens. I, I love it. I thought Trump was very good last night. Uh, oh, with, uh, with, yeah, I'm uh, glad we're in it in earnest. It's so much fun for us. Right. I, I just love it. Uh, and I just think – 
Christie's going to make some gains. I think that Tim Scott's going to have more uh, more than his day in the sun. I think, I think that, so, too. Uh, I, there's no doubt about it. He's different enough, and it's impossible not to like him. And then mm-hmm. when you the biggest surprise is people think that because he talks general about the image of the country and his story that he doesn't have depth on issues, and it's just the opposite. He could bore you with the depth he has on yeah. the tax situation, it, right. on, on criminal justice reform and everything. So I agree. Uh, when you spend time with him, you definitely get there, and that's what he has to do in Iowa, and people will have substantive conversations with him, and that might change their mind. Yeah, a lot of people feel the opposite. They're like, Brian is so smart, and then they meet me, and they're so let down, and they put that into words, and they've actually said that and as if I can't hear them. What is it? I mean, what is it, an inch deep and a mile wide? Exactly. That's what I'm I prefer. I'm getting you that T-shirt. Um, if you don't mind. Uh, Maybe a coffee mug. Okay. Quickly, I want to tap into your legal mind. So this hmm. situation with this 1023, uh, we understand that the 1023, if I could do it, explain it is I come in, I'm a whistleblower. In this case, I'm an FBI agent. And I say, hey, guys, I got, I got a problem with what's going on here. Take me down. I'm a whistleblower. And they go, fine. What is your problem? And you, they jot it down. Now, they don't verify my story. So they keep it. Now, you would think it's going to jolt or catapult an investigation, but a frustrated person, this subject, went and told James Comer the same story and Chuck Grassley the oversight and Senate side, and they said, can you show me the 1023? And they said, what paperwork? I don't even know if you have it. Then they finally admitted they had it. Then they said they won't sell it. Then they won't show it. Then when they finally offer contempt, he said, you can come to a skiff and see a redacted version. He said, it's not good enough. I'm still, Christopher Ray going to file contempt charges on you. And they said, well, come over with it. And evidently, they're going to do something on Monday. The significance of this exchange and what the tent, what, what legitimate reason, and I mean that, I'm not being, I'm not leading the witness. What legitimate reason does the FBI have for not letting Comer and Grassley see it? Well, I mean, they say it's a national security issue, and and those guys have said on the other side, okay, don't don't tell us names or anything that would you know that would be a danger to human intelligence or to an asset. They've agreed if you got to black out names or specific you know sourcing or whatever happens here, that we can do that. Um, you know, and Congress will say we have oversight of the FBI. That is one of the things that we do, whether Republicans or Democrats are in charge, and we know all the polling shows us that people are increasingly losing faith in their big institutions like the FBI, um, they don't think people are being treated fairly. And so, like Senator Grassley, he is not a flamethrower. He's obviously a Republican. But what he has said is, listen, I'm not saying that this is true, the allegations are in it. I just want to know that the FBI is doing its job, meaning that they're actually looking into it and investigating. Otherwise, you know, I've got questions as somebody who oversees what they do. Compare that to way Alexander Vindman came forward and said, I overheard a phone call and the president was asking political favorites to Ukraine. So let's impeach him. I'll be your witness. And he's lauded. What does, does it concern you at all, Shannon, as an American, not as an anchor, as an American, that you mm-hmm. have these whistleblowers have their lives ruined, testified two weeks ago. Another guy was in Cyprus. They're trying to arrest him. And then you have this situation where a guy puts his career on the line, uh, gives his testimony, and it just dies on the vine seemingly. I am worried anytime as an American that any institution looks like at least it has the optics of being politicized because none of us left, right, or center should want that because at some point, if it happens to your enemy, it could happen to you. I mean, you could very much be in the crosshairs at some point. So we should not tolerate that at all. And, you know, the DOJ has had to deal with the appearance of issues a, a lot in recent years. I mean, going after, you know, pro-lifers or, you know, school parents who stand up at these, you know, meetings while, you know, there are attacks on pro-life clinics that for a while didn't 
seem to get much traction and there was no investigation. It happened at night. We can't figure it out. It's not as easy as the stuff that happens during the daytime. So I think that they're aware that there are optics that the American people are losing confidence in them and they have a duty to make sure that everybody feels like, hey, if I'm up and, and you know under suspicion for something, I'm going to treat, be treated the same way regardless of who I voted for because otherwise we should all be frightened. Yeah, I, and it just it seems like it's going one direction. Your your take on the president's fall yesterday is this going to we just going to have this blow over? But is the fourth fall the one that's going to make people wonder if he could actually do the, the other four years, even on the left? I too have fallen on stage, so I don't want to get too <laughs> high and mighty about that. And he did point to the sandbag that was there, but the problem is perception is reality for a lot of people in politics. The polling shows us Republicans, Democrats, and Independents all have worries about his age, about his ability physically and mentally. Um, that's not new, and it cuts across all kinds of political ideology across the spectrum. So when a moment like that happens, it's bad optics. It's tough for the White House. It's not good for him as a candidate. The good news is physically it sounds like he is fine. He's good, according to the White House. But it's just going to spark that conversation all over again for people who feel like, including Democrats, who don't want him to be their nominee. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get a bunch of, even if I if I don't demand it, a Secret Service, I'm going to have, when I get to that age, I'm going to have security around me and I'm going to make up threats and I'm going to Ooh. have them make sure I stay upright. He actually well, has a reason to have Secret Service. They easily could be covering and helping him. It's almost as if they're just letting him fall down the stairs, up the stairs, whatever. No one's watching his back. Don't forget the bike. The bike. Fell off the bike. Well, here's my thing, too, is I thought, listen, I, I, I are Secret Service and people who sign up to do that and put their life on the line to me, incredibly impressive. But I did feel like. There should have been people closer to him or somebody should have caught him before that actually happened. I thought they can't be on top of him all the time. But I feel like I didn't want any president to actually hit the ground like that's we should not want that to happen. The Easter Bunny's not always going to be there to point you in the right direction. I've always said that. (laughs) But helpful during the Easter egg roll at the White House. Fox News Sunday's own Shannon Bream. She also uh, almost won at the Level K Love Awards. We'll see. You got to tune in tonight. Can't wait. Shannon, remember, watch Saturday at 8 and then watch Sunday. That's how I prep for my show. All morning. Saturday with Brian. Shannon Bream, you seem nice. Back in a moment. (laughs) Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Make sure to watch One Nation over the weekend. Great roster guest. Sean Duffy's going to be on. Uh, we're going to be breaking down this new trend. Get this, Hispanic white supremacy. Because so many Hispanics are agreeing with traditional conservatives. They say it's a white supremacy. Carl Rove will be with me. Comedian Tammy Pescatelli will be there. Uh, and we're going to also have, inside this whole FBI and the whistleblowers and protection, Jonathan Turley. Carl Rove will break down the DeSantis-Trump heavyweight battle. Roy, listen to WVGA in Valdosta. Hey, Roy. Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I was uh, you were just bringing up about the whistleblowers, and the one question that hasn't been asked and it needs to be asked to Director Ray is, when will these agents be returned to active duty and their security clearances restored? Yep. It's been proven they didn't do anything wrong. He can get it done with one phone call. Hey, Roy, how about this? In his testimony, they roll in clips from the FBI talking about what their lives have been like since they came forward and make him justify it. Yeah. 
Uh, he wouldn't like it. He can't just say, we're going to look into that. Yes, I found it disturbing. No, no. Tell me exactly what you're doing for Marcus Allen and all these yeah. others. That would be yeah, great. It would be. I'd like to see that happen. Go get him, Roy. Uh, good luck in Georgia. All right. So uh, thanks so much for listening. I want you to do this. If anybody wants for Father's Day, I know it's coming up quick, an autographed, a personalized book of mine, whether it's George Washington's Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, uh, Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, or Frederick, uh, uh, the fr- President of Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle for America's Soul, just go to BrianKilme.com. It'll come out uh, to my people, and we'll be able to personalize it uh, for that perfect gift on Father's Day. Uh, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. The power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.